Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc or you can visit us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 9.15 and 11 a.m. Well, today we're continuing a series that we've been in over the last couple of weeks called What If? Uh, and we've kind of acknowledged that at all stages of life, no matter how old you are, we get curious, we start wondering, we begin to dream, and so we start asking the question, what if? Uh, what if this? What if that? And we've said, hey, especially it's New Year's resolution time, like as we come into a new year and kind of turn a new page, and we're like, hey, start over, begin some things that I dropped last year, we, we ask that what if question a lot. Like, hey, what if I kind of toned up this year? What if I lost some pounds? Or what if we started eating more healthy, like no more Mickey D's. Okay. We're going back to green beans. Uh, and like, what if I started studying harder, made better grades? What if I'm, I'm, you know, watch my language. If I love my family better, all we ask all these different, what if questions. And so I thought it'd be really good. Just kind of, kind of confession time here to start with. I realized maybe you didn't realize you were coming to confession time, but welcome to that. Um, and so I just thought I would ask you, Hey, how many of you would be willing to just kind of raise your hand and admit that 22 days into 2017, you have a New Year's resolution that you are still upholding. Just go ahead and hold your hand up. Proud, awesome, man. Welcome all the perfectionists to our room today. Thank you guys for being here and making the rest of us feel like slobs. That's awesome. All right, and then how many of you, if you were just really honest, you would go ahead and raise your hand and go, listen, Pastor, like I didn't make any New Year's resolutions because I knew it wouldn't take 22 days to break them. It would take two days. How many of you just like, that's me. Okay, awesome. And welcome all of the imperfect people to the house. That's really, really good. Um, man, we ask that question, right? If it comes to New Year's resolutions. We're saying, what if? What if I did this? Or what if this thing happened? Then this might change in my life. And so here's what we've kind of been doing over the last couple of weeks, if you've missed, to kind of bring you up to speed, is we've been tackling some what if questions. Now, maybe these are questions uh, that you're asking right now. Maybe in your, your journey of following God, these are some questions that you've been pondering. Uh, maybe they're questions that are brand new for you, like that you've never really thought about before. Or maybe they're questions um, that you've asked at some point in your journey. Maybe you gave up on them. And so our hope today and over these few weeks is that we would ask these questions and that if you got really serious with them, like if this wasn't just like preacher time, we're checking off the list, right? It's opportunity, not obligation, that you begin to wrestle with these things and then begin to live them out. We really believe kind of the tagline that we put on this series, that it could literally change everything about you. Not just kind of New Year's resolutions thought, but literally change everything about your view of God and about your journey of knowing Jesus. Now, I will tell you, I'm going to be in multiple passages today. Um, so I can't exactly point you to one particular passage, but love for you to kind of go ahead and open up your Bible, have it in your lap. If you've got a place to take notes, we'll give you some things to take notes on throughout the day. Um, but we'll put the scripture on the screen for you to follow along if you miss anything. Um, in week one, we looked at the question, what if I took my Bible seriously? What if I took my Bible seriously? And we said, hey, Bible number one bestseller book of all time in all history, unmatched. However, we, even as those who proclaim to follow Jesus, have a really hard time engaging it into our life. And so we talked about some really practical ways to make that happen. Um, then last week, we talked about the what if question. What if I didn't do life alone? Like, what if I didn't try to carry the weight of this life all by myself? And we talked about the power of spiritual community, of being together in, in small groups or being together weekly in this gathering. We talked about what that looks like. So if you missed either one of those, you want to catch up, you can go on our website. You can watch them or listen to them. They're all posted there. But today we're going to answer, a, uh, answer and tackle a third what if question. And here's the what if question for today. What if I fully understood prayer? What if I fully understood 
prayer. Now, a couple weeks ago, uh, we had a guest over to our house, and uh, they, we invited them over, and we ate dinner together. And so my wife uh, and myself and my four-year-old Braylon uh, and this guest are all sitting down at the dinner table. And so it comes time to ask the blessing, thank God for our food. And so we kind of threw that out. We're like, hey, uh, you know, anybody want to say the blessing? And so my son volunteers. Now, that's not totally out of the norm. He prays a good bit out loud just with us at home. And so uh, he volunteered to say the blessing. And so the guest kind of looked at Braylon like, that's awesome, like really encourage that you as a four-year-old would want to say the blessing for our food. And so my son looks at the guest in full confidence, and he said, I'm a really good prayer. And so... In that moment, like we, you know, kind of got a chuckle out of that. And we're like, hey, we don't really lack in the confidence department. And so he bowed his head and we all kind of pray together and he prays and thanks God for the food. And he kind of prays for a couple other things. Um, and then he gets done. He says, amen. And so we all kind of raise our head and the guest looks at Braylon and is like, like, that was awesome, man. Like, really, thank you for praying. And he looks at the guest like, man, just as serious as could be. And he says, I can pray longer if you want me to. <laughs> Maybe we got the prayer thing down. The humility part comes later, right? We're getting there. Now, I don't think any of us would just kind of admit today that we've got the whole prayer thing figured out. Like, like no one's rolling in here, raising our hand, going like, yeah, like prayer. I got, I'm batting a thousand on that one, okay? Myself included. And so... What I believe is I don't believe that over the next 30 minutes today, I'm going to like be able to coerce you or give you some magic formula to just have you walk out of here just being a massive person of prayer. All right. And my goal today is not to guilt or coerce you into anything. We've kind of said it in this series. We see it with our New Year's resolutions. Guilt, really lousy motivator. Like it'll carry you through, I don't know, maybe Wednesday of this week. But we get, we get defeated because we don't uphold it, and then we get discouraged, and then we quit. And so the goal today, not to guilt you or coerce you into anything, but hopefully to maybe kind of expand your understanding on this gift that God's given to us in prayer. Uh, and that you would begin to see the real heart of it, and that you would then begin to go, hey, that's a part of who I am in my journey with Jesus. This needs to be a central part of how I worship and communicate with Jesus. So maybe for some of you, man, you, you, prayer's a part of your journey. You've been following Jesus for a while. I hope today to maybe just kind of encourage and expand your already understanding of who Jesus is and what it looks like to communicate with him in prayer. But for some of you, maybe you're going like, hey, like, uh-uh, like prayer, like we pray for the blessing at Thanksgiving. That's about it, all right? And so for you, my hope today is that you would see some real basics of the foundations of prayer, then you would go, hey, this is how I can make that um, a part of my life. Now, if God has designed us for prayer, which he has, then why, why so many of us struggle with prayer? Why do so many of us struggle to make that a part of our journey with God? Now, I'll say this. I believe there are some clear barriers that we can see in our culture, in our society, that prevent us from having a healthy and effective prayer life. And so here's one of those barriers. Some people have an unhealthy fear of God. Some people have an unhealthy fear of God. Now, throughout Scripture... We are commanded to fear God. You're going to read that. Here's some verses. I'll give you three of them that give us that command. Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Skip down to Proverbs 14, verse 26. It says, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, later in the New Testament, it says, Now all has been heard, and here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. 
So scripture gives us a lot of instructions, that's just three of them, to fear God. Now what's that mean? That means a holy fear that when we approach God, whether it's in worship, in prayer, when we read his word, when we just think about him, that we would have a reverence and a fear for him. They would say, God, you are holy, you're righteous, you're bigger than me, you're sovereign, you are powerful, that we would have that fear. So now there's some people that have a fear of God, but it is not a holy fear, it's an unhealthy fear. And what that looks like for many people is they believe, hey, because of, man, the brokenness and the mistakes of my past, um, because of the lifestyle I'm living right now, I really don't think that God is that interested into me. In fact, I don't even fully know that God likes me. And, and when we have, it becomes an unhealthy fear of God. And think about it. What's our human reaction when we have that type of fear or relationship with someone? If we don't think the person likes us, then how prone are we to go and have conversation with them? Not very, all right? But what we see in scripture, the beauty of the gospel is that God doesn't say, hey, clean up, get yourself fixed, and then come see me, then come communicate with me. What he says is, hey, I accept you. Come as you are, and I am the reconciler. I'm the redeemer. I'm the one who builds you back up, but I long to know you in prayer. But for some people, that's the barrier, that it just it stops there because they have this unhealthy fear of God. For other people, here's the second barrier, I think. Many people begin to believe that they don't need God. Many people begin to believe that they don't need God. Now, no one's standing up in this moment going like, that's me, I'm here, okay? You know, you're at church today, we're just saying together, like, you're probably going like, yeah, I think I need God. However, all right, here's the deal. Many times our life doesn't reflect that because when it comes to the control will in our life, we have a habit of grabbing it, sometimes with two hands. Now, we come into this room and we say things like we did a while ago, God with us, God for us, I need you, all right? But then we go out and Monday morning, Wednesday afternoon, Friday night, all right, we begin to take that back over. Because when the weight of life hits, we begin to exhaust all other options. Where we're like, well, I tried this, well, this doesn't work, maybe I can figure this out, or I could plan around that, or we just make that not. And we, we begin to take things back into our own hands. And what we're essentially saying in that moment is, hey, God, thanks for being sovereign and in control. And yeah, I told you that Sunday, but thanks, but no thanks. I got this. And we begin to try to take the ownership part of our life. And we begin to try to take control. And we ultimately say, God, we don't need you in the picture. And so if that's true, then the reality is we're probably not talking to him. There's probably not communication. But not only are there, there are barriers, but I believe in our little Bible belt, everyone's a Christian, little bubble we live down here in the South, we can not only have barriers, but then there becomes misunderstandings about prayer, about what is prayer. Um, for some people, they get in this mindset that, that prayer is a, it's a repetition of words. Um, now think about this. As a kid, we probably all at daycare, Sunday school, whatever, you learned a little prayer. And we say, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands, we are fed. Thank you, God, for daily bread. All right, you've heard that one before. Maybe your kids say it or your grandkids say it. And we say that, okay? And then when we get older, what happens, right? We, we graduate to the adult version of that. It's no longer God is good, but it's now like our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, can come, we will be done on earth as is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For that is the kingdom, power, glory forever and ever. Amen. Good game, right? I've been in that locker room before where, where we did that. I mean, like before the game, we say that thing as fast as possible. And then we walk out. We're like, we're winning today because we pray as a team. We pray together. Right. And hear me clearly. OK, hear me clearly. There's nothing wrong with the Lord's prayer. In fact, it's Jesus words to us. He gives that to instruct us to us. Nothing wrong with saying the Lord's prayer unless you don't mean it. 
And I've been in many of those locker rooms, ball games, events where we say that, that particular one. And the reality is half the people at the event, half the people, they don't even know what we're talking about. And God did not give us prayer to just be this mindless repetition of words that we recite back to him. Prayer is also, uh, it's also not a sales job to some buyer in heaven. Now, here's what I mean by that. A lot of times, all right, in our flesh, we see this thing and we're like, I want that right there. Or, yes, I would like that to work in my favor this way. And so we start crafting all right, our, our, our most eloquent prayer. We steal some words that we heard at Life Group or that we heard the preacher say on Sunday. And we, we put all that together and we kind of just offer up this prayer to God as if we're marketing to him some idea or desire of ours, hoping that he would answer all right? Not how God designed prayer. All right? We're going to get to that in a little bit. He's a good dad. He listens to our requests. But it's not a, not a sales job to a buyer in heaven. It's also not just what you do. Now, we live in the South. We just said that. Everybody goes to church. Everybody's a Christian. Everybody loves God, right? That's what we say. But prayer is not just something that we do. It's not just a repetition because of where we live. I've been to, to many family gatherings before. Okay, well, the, the activity and the attitudes leading up to mealtime maybe not really Jesus reflective, all right? But man, we get to the meal and like the turkey's on the table or the ham or whatever it is. And it's like, oh, family, let's gather around. We're going to petition the Lord together, okay? And we're like trying to get everybody in this holy moment when the reality is our life hasn't ever been reflecting that. So it's not just something that we do. It's also uh, not a technical support call, all right? It's not just a technical support call that we make when everything's get haywire or in chaos, now, if you've ever had the opportunity to call technical support before, you know how much of a blessing in your life that is, right? You call somebody, you can't really understand what they say, although they're really kind, and you can't, they can't really understand what you say, and 45 minutes later, you're still on the phone, and nothing has been figured out, all right? And you're pulling hair out. That's not what God designed prayer to be, that we would just dial out to him, 911, when we're in trouble, and that'd be the only time we communicate with him. So see, if you came in today and maybe you're like, man, I'm I'm in one of those barriers where I got an unhealthy fear of God or I'm I'm really living a life that's not really dependent on him or maybe you've got some of those misunderstandings because of things you've heard or been taught before. Here's my hope today that we're going to dive into God's word for a little bit and that you would hear some really simple truths that would begin to change and alter the way that you view prayer. And you would ask that what if question. Man, what if I, what if you fully understood prayer and begin to make that a part of your life of following Jesus. Now, I think prayer can be summed up in one pretty clear, pretty simple phrase. And so if you're taking notes, this would be a good one to write down. Prayer is communion and communication with God. Prayer is communion and communication with God. First prayer is communion. Let's talk about this word for a second. What does that mean? All right, well, I thought we took communion at church. All right, we do. But here's what communion means. Communion is reflective of a deep, intimate relationship with someone. Now, many times in the South, what we believe is we're like, hey, well, prayer is really kind of like this monologue that I like ask God, I call him up, tell him some of the things that are going on because he's lost touch and I need some things in my life. And so I call him up hoping that he'll listen to me and he'll maybe kind of answer and give me what I want. Now, that's kind of what we believe. But the reality is, if you look at Scripture and God's heart for us, God just desires to be with us sometimes. He just desires to hang out. Um, If we look at the Lord's Prayer that we just said a while ago, Jesus instructs us to begin praying, Our Father. In other words, Daddy. Man, one of the greatest joys for me, one of my favorite things in the world, is when my four-year-old son, when he just wants to hang out with me. When he just wants to be with me. Man, I'll come home from work, open up the door, and there he is standing in the, you know, in the room with the football. 
Daddy, let's play. Let's throw. Or man, I'm sitting on the couch and turn on the TV and he comes running in, just hops up next to me. Hey, daddy, can I, can I just sit with you? I mean, who, who's going to turn that down, right? Because as a father, it brings me joy to know that my son wants to be with me. And God designed prayer that we would commune or that we would just desire to be with her, to hang out with him as a good father over us. That's part of what God designed prayer to be, that we would hang out and be with our father. And I realize for some of you, that's a really tough thought to wrap your mind around. A father figure that would long to just be with you and that would find joy and delight in that. Because maybe for some of you, man, your, your earthly father right now or before when you were growing up, that, that's not how he lived. And that's not what he reflected to you. But I'm here to tell you today that Scripture says if you are in Christ and he calls you child and he says, I long to share a relationship with you, that we would just be with one another. But not only is God our father, but Scripture also says um, that God considers us a friend. John 15, verse 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I have learned from the Father, I have made known to you. If you're in Christ, God calls you a friend. Now, hopefully, you've got maybe at least one friend in your life that you can call up, you can text, you can message, you can just stop by whenever you want to and just unload on them because they're going to drop anything that they're doing to be with you, to give you time, to give you energy to be intentional with you. Maybe you don't even know what the purpose of the visit is, but you're just stopping by and they're there to go, I'm here for you. And God, in the same way, he calls us friend and he says, I want to share that with you. I want to know the desires and the longings of your heart. But not only does God call us friend in his word, but scripture, if you read it, also calls us the bride of Christ. Throughout Scripture, the church, not the building, the people, are called the bride of Christ. Now, fellas, I realize that's a little weird to think about, that we would be the bride, so we're not putting on a veil, but it's the the reflection of the relationship. And if we think about a healthy marriage, I mean, when it is right and when it is good, there's love and there's affection for each other. And they can be driving down the road together, not giving each other the silent treatment, but they don't have to be saying anything, and for an hour, they can just be right. It's just good because what? They're together. And there's love and there's affection. I think in the same way, God says, I long that much to be with you. And we see in scripture where it says he rejoices over his bride, over his people. Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17 says, the Lord, your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves and he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That's a, that's a God who loves you. But I realize for some of you, man, if you walked in today, maybe in that place of unhealthy fear of God, or you're going like for a long time, I just thought he was the big man upstairs just waiting on me to make the wrong mess up. And when he does, he, man, he's just going to wipe me out. That's reflective of the heart of a God who says, I love you. And I want to remind you of that love for you. And I've created a way for you to know me, for you just to hang out with me, to be with me, to commune with me. So that first part of prayer, there's a communion, there's a fellowship aspect that we would be with God. But what did we say? There's a second part of it. Second part about prayer is that it would be communication with God. 
communication, a sharing of information, a back and forth conversation, not a monologue, but a dialogue where there would be communication from both sides. Now, chances are, hopefully you got that friend in your life that you can call and they'll be there for you at any point. But chances are you got that friend or that relative or whatever that can also call you and say, hey, we really need to talk. And 45 minutes later, they're still talking and you ain't said nothing. All right. Maybe you got that friend in your life. You don't have to call them out. But you know what that's like. And God says, no, that's, that's not how prayer is designed to be. It's not that it would just be you telling me all the things you need and want and do this and fix this. and get. No, he says, I want to I talk to you. In a good conversation, what happens? This party speaks and this party listens and then this party speaks and then this party listens and they communicate back and forth with each other. Have you ever thought about that? That, that the, the God of the universe, like who created and sustains it and holds it all together, like, He wants to speak to you. You. Like, communicate with you. For some of us, maybe we've never really wrapped our minds around that. And for me, sometimes it's really, really hard for me to listen, but I'm really good at the talking part. But man, when I realize that God God longs to speak into me, man, it begins to change the way that I approach Him. And for some of you, maybe you're going, not not me, bro. Like, you don't know my story. No, like, he's probably not speaking to me. I've never heard him before. So maybe I'm just a little bit different. Well, here's what I believe. God speaks to us in many ways. Scripture shows us that. I've experienced that. So here's a few ways that maybe God speaks to you. If you're praying to him, he may not answer, all right, in an audible voice right there in your bedroom. But he can speak back to you. Here's one of the ways. I believe he speaks through his word. God says that his word, the Bible, scripture, is living and active, that it speaks life into us. Here's what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He says, all scripture is God-breathed, it's God-inspired, it's led by him, and it's useful for teaching, that happens sometimes, rebuking, correcting, those aren't fun, but we need them, and training in righteousness. God speaks through his word. And I remember very clear some five, six years ago when God began to to put this calling and this desire in front of uh, my wife and I to to launch and help plant a new church. God used his word very clearly to speak to us in that journey. Believe me, we were looking for answers. And God used his word, uh, particularly in in the place. Where would we launch it? Where would the city be where we would would go, hey, God, this is what we're doing, and you've called us to this? Because here's clearly, for a while, we thought that God was calling us like way out west to maybe like Idaho to plant potatoes and plant a church, all right? Because you look around here, he's like, there's 100 churches around here. Why we need another one, all right? But God made it very clear through his word, personal time in his word, together time in his word. He says, this is what I'm calling you to do. And he made it clear. And I think he can speak in the same way if we approach God word and if we're communicating with him in prayer we open God's word and he speaks to us he speaks truth but it's not just through his word I believe God can also use people to speak into us now maybe you've got a spouse um, a sibling co-worker neighbor boss a friend that you know that man they live a life that is chasing after and pursuing Jesus and I believe that God can put them in your circle of influence of community to speak into you if you will listen, all right? Sometimes we listen. Sometimes we're like, no, I got this thing figured out. Okay, and then we come back around and we'll actually listen to you. Now, I will say this. At the same time, we've got to be really careful who you listen to, okay? If, if their life is not modeling God's word, if their life's not reflecting what they're telling you, probably don't need to listen to them. 
But at the same time, I think we need to choose who are those people of influence in our life that we believe God can speak through to us, and then how will we listen to them? I believe for other people, man, sometimes God speaks through visions and dreams. All right, for some of us, that's a little out there. Maybe that's not your cup of tea, but we see it happen in Scripture, and I believe for some people, that's how God speaks. For other people, it's circumstances or situations, and God will use an event to just go, anybody home? All right, I'm speaking. Are you listening? God will speak to us. It's a two-way communication where God speaks, and we listen. We speak, and God listens. And so prayer is communion and communication with God. So if God calls us to pray, all right, he's asking us to talk to him. What do we say? Like, where does that start? Maybe you hadn't prayed in a long time because you're going, I don't even know what to start. Like, I got dear God, that's about as far as I can go. So I want you to see a few things that scripture lays out about ways that we would communicate with God, different types of prayer. I'll give you four of them pretty quickly. The first type of prayer is this. It's called supplication. Now, for some of you, that's just kind of a big churchy word. All right, some of you like, I like supper too. Okay, me too. I'm in that boat. Now, here's what supplication means. This is what I mean by that. Supplication is where we make requests to God, where we ask God for things that we want, that we need, that we desire, that we would supplicate to him. Now, here's the really cool part about that. God already knows what you want or need. He's just that cool. He's that in touch with who you are. But when we pray to him, we make requests to him, here's what we're doing. We're saying, God, I on my own, I am weak and insufficient, but I trust you that you are strong. You are sufficient. You're all knowing, and I can trust you. See what happens there in that moment? Now, let me clarify this, okay? That doesn't mean that God always gives you what you want, when you want it, how you want it, all right? And in eternity, I think we'll be really, really grateful that's what happened. Because reality, we see the little picture, little snapshot, God sees the big picture, okay? And sometimes, like, no, you can't have that girl. No, you don't need that boy. No, you don't need that house or that job, okay? Trust me. And, and later we'll go, yep, God, you were right. I should have listened to you the whole time. Thank you for not answering the way that I wanted, all right? But God creates it in that way. He, he's a good dad who says, I want you to bring your desires to me, that I would listen to what you pray. Now, here's the second part of uh, prayer. Second part is called confession. Confession. Now, redneck version of summary of confession is owning your junk before God. That's what that means. That we would own where we fall short of God's plans for us. And guess what? We have to do that. Probably quite frequently if you're anything like me. Psalm chapter 51, David, who got, who's called a, a man after God's own heart, right? But also, let me remind us, he was a murderer and an adulterer. And he prayed a prayer of confession, Psalm 51, very authentic, verse 1 and 2. This is what David prays. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, and according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, would you blot out my transgressions. And verse 2 says, Would you, God, would you wash away all of my iniquity, all of where I fall short, and would you cleanse me from my sin? So, David prayed with a very open and honest heart, and he owned where he fell short before God. And he said, God, God, would you forgive me for where I fall short? Now, here's where I think sometimes we get this just a little off, all right, is that prayer through confession should be specific in nature. Now, maybe you've ever heard somebody pray this before. Uh, God, would you just uh, forgive me uh, for all my sins and forgive me for anywhere where I may have done you wrong, all right? Really? (laughs) Like anywhere we may have done God wrong, okay? All right. 
what if that, that prayer began to change? Because biblical confession, should, I believe, should be specific. And rather than praying, hey, God, forgive me for any of my sins over the last decade of my life. <laughs> what if we begin to pray, God, would you forgive me for the pride that I carry, that, that I think I don't need you? God, would you forgive me for the anger um, that, I, that I've acted out with towards you and towards other people? God, would you forgive me for, for the lust or the whatever that holds, holds a grip on my heart? Would you see, you see the difference there? It becomes very specific. And the beauty of what we just read, verse 2, that, that God, our God is faithful and he's just and he washes away the iniquity of our life that stands between us and him. It's a beautiful thing so that we would pray specifically. Now, here's the third part. Third part of prayer. We've got supplication, confession. Our third part of prayer is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is praising God for what he's done for what he's given to us. James 1.17, really great verse, says every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Thanksgiving and prayer acknowledges God is good. He's a good dad. He listens to us, and he gives us what is best for us. Um, a few years ago, we started uh, kind of a, a little routine with my four-year-old. When we tuck him in bed at night, um, we ask him, I'll ask him, hey, Brandon, what's one thing that you can thank God for? Now, I'm not going to paint an all rosy picture like it's always perfect at my house because sometimes my son's like, no, I'm tired, Dad. I'm not praying. I'm nothing I'm thankful for, okay? And we're like, no, bud, there's at least one thing you can thank God for. And so he begins to pray, and he'll, he'll pray, man, thank you, God, for my toys, thank you for my school, thank you for my family, uh, thank you for my bed, thank you for, you know, making so-and-so well. And, and what I realized over the last four years is that his, his mindset on, on gratitude and what he's thankful for, it's expanded a lot. And I'll just be honest with you, man, like as a dad, it fires me up every time he prays. And it's just one little simple sentence, but it fires me up. Here's why. Because I, I long that my son would never remember a time where he did not give gratitude to God for what God's done for him. And I think we all need to be good at Thanksgiving. And not just a day in November when there's turkey on the table. But all the time that we would practice, God, thank you for who you are. Despite my circumstances that may be upside down and not the way I wanted, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your compassion, for your mercy for me. All right? So we got Thanksgiving. One more type. Final part of prayer and communication with God is called praise. Praise. Praise is the act of praising God um, for who he is. Not only do we praise like we did a while ago through musical worship. We're saying, God, you're this and God, you're that. You're majestic. Praise to you and all the earth. But also that we would praise God in prayer. Um, and I love that the psalmist in chapter 8, verse 1, he kind of gives us a demonstration of that. He says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You're majestic, God. You're, you're different than everything else. You have set your glory in the heavens. So praise sets God in his proper place, and it reminds us of our proper place. And here's what I would encourage you and instruct you to do is that you should start your prayer with praise. All right? We're really good at going to the request part, like supplication. We'll put that at the front. We start with praise. Here's why. Because when you acknowledge God and you go, God, you're holy, you're righteous, you are just, you're compassionate, you're slow to mercy and abounding in love. There's no one like you. Praise changes your perspective on prayer. Because the rest of your prayer, when it begins to be filtered through that thought, that acknowledgement, rather than busting in with like, okay, God, let me tell you about what's up, all right? And it's filtered through praise. It begins to change the way that you pray and change the way that you think about God. So what do we got? Prayer involves supplication, that we would make requests to God, confession, that we would own where we fall short, 
thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for what you've done for us, for what you've given to us, and praise, that we praise him just for his character, just of who he is. And we said that prayer is communion and communication with God, that we would hang out with him and just be with him, and that there would be an information exchange of him speaking and us listening and us speaking and him listening. Now, we got to ask this question, right? What if you fully understood prayer? I hope today, maybe in those just few minutes together, that there have been some new truths or some reminders that have been tossed out that just kind of go, yep, uh uh-huh, I missed that. I've not been walking that part out. I believe if you're a junior high, high school student, mom, dad, single parent, grandparent, that you got to understand those foundations to your communication with God. But I told you at the beginning, I'm not going to give you a magic formula to let you walk out of here and just this week, all of a sudden, like, boom, it's just like every morning, hour with God, okay? That'd be awesome. But I do want to give you one last, man, eternity-altering truth that I believe if we leave this out, we miss the whole foundation of prayer. And if you were to grasp this, it would fully change your mindset on communion and communication with God through prayer. And here it is. The God of the universe... The God of the universe paid the highest price to know you in prayer. The God of the universe paid the highest price to know you in prayer. Uh, a few months ago, my wife and I had the chance to go to Montreal, Canada um, to train some church planners up there uh, with a network that we're a part of. And so as we begin to plan for the trip, <clears throat> uh, we, I start looking at our, our cell phone plans and I realize we don't have the international package. So like there's not really a good efficient way um, to communicate back home and we're about to go out of the country. And so uh, I begin researching what does that look like? How much does it cost to kind of add that for a month? And so like the company I talked to, they, they gave me the, the numbers and I'm like, like, that's a ton for one month. We're really only going to be on a week. So we don't need it for 30 days. We've got to pay for 30 days. And so we, we ultimately made the call to not add that to our plan. We're like, we'll be all right without it. We heard about some other apps that you could use. And we're like, okay, people have used that. We'll, we'll go with that. And so we fly out of Jackson and land in Atlanta. And we have a layover in Atlanta because everyone lays over in Atlanta. And so we land in Atlanta and we're sitting there in the airport, man, just talking back and forth, people watching. And we, we started thinking about our son who was back home, not that far away at that point, but going to be even further away. We started thinking about our son, started thinking about our family. We started thinking about the fact that we're about to be gone for a week. Um, we started thinking about the fact we're going to be in another country. And what if this third party app that everybody's put their hope in doesn't really come through because you got to have Wi-Fi and there's not Wi-Fi everywhere we're going to be. And what if we needed a way to talk to Braylon when we were up in Canada? And in that moment, like we, we changed our decision. We made a decision to overturn our previous decision. And we said, we have to have a guaranteed way, whatever it takes to communicate with our child who is back home. And so I get in contact ultimately through phone company, and I'm like, hey, guys, here's what I need you to do. Okay, I'm about to be gone for a week. I need you to add the international package to my plan, to my wife's plan. We're both going to be talking. And so I need you to add that because i got to have a guaranteed foolproof way to communicate back home. And in that moment, I wasn't really thinking, I don't, really, I don't give a rip how much it costs. It, it don't matter. Just add it on. Why? Because in that moment, as a daddy, I was going to do whatever it took to have open communication and relationship lines with my boy. And that is the eternity-altering, foundation-shaking truth about prayer. That the God of the universe, who brought out the stars last night, 
and knows them by name and knows the number of hairs on your head that he paid the highest price, not discount rate. He paid the highest price so that he could know you and communicate with you in prayer. That you would commune and that you would communicate with him because here's the reality, guys. Scripture's clear. Every one of us got this little condition called sin. We all, got, we all got the disease. And here's what sin did. Sin didn't just make us bad people. Sin made us dead people, that we were separated and apart from Christ. There was no communion. There was no communication. The lines were disconnected, if you will. And there was no address on how to go visit in person. And in that place of hopelessness and isolation and desperation, the God of the universe looked at you and he looked at me. And he says, I want my child to know me. And he paid the highest price so that we could have open communication lines with him. And here's what scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says, for we do not have a high priest in Jesus who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who is tempted in every way just as we are. Come on, he was just like us, yet there was one big difference. Yet he did not sin. So let us now, because of that, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, with courage, with boldness, openly, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because God offered up his greatest possession for you, because he paid the highest price for you, because he went first for you, you now have the chance to know him and approach the throne of God with confidence. Hey, Daddy. Oh, yeah. And he hears you. And he invites you. And he says, come and know me. Come and know me. So what if, what if you fully understood prayer? I believe, all right, I can't guilt you into anything today. And that would be my last objective. But I believe if you begin to wrap your mind around that foundation-shaking truth that God gave everything, so that you could have open lines with him, that it would change the way you live out and it would change the way that you understand what it means to pray. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church and give life.